Welcome to Lead with Less, the podcast for confident professionals with me, your host, Tash Peterson, Certified Leadership and Mindset Coach. This is the podcast for confident professionals that will help you move through overwhelm, burnout and self-doubt by sharing actionable strategies and practical steps that can have an immediate impact for you. With a mix of solo and guest episodes, I will share everything I've learned and applied over the last decade that has enabled me to create an extremely successful HR career and since then a profitable and thriving coaching business, all while blending it with everyday life and motherhood. I've also coached and empowered over 150 clients through one-on-one coaching and group programs to transform their lives and careers using these strategies. They now confidently thrive as their best selves and now I want you to have access to all of the goods too. This is the perfect spot if you're new to your career, a seasoned professional or aspiring into a people leadership role and want to lead with less so you can live and work with more confidence, clarity and energy. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Lead With Less. I am really excited about this episode because I have got my husband, Carl Haskins, as today's guest. I'm a little bit nervous for this episode, actually, and I talk about that a little bit more in the episode as well, but I, I mean, of course I love my husband, but I also really admire him. I admire his journey. I admire all the work that he's done. I admire everything that he has created, learned, developed, grown through, and cultivated across his life and across his career. And I'm really excited for this episode for you to listen and take away some great insights, tools, and and strategies to help you. So I'm going to do a little bit of an introduction before we jump into the episode. Kyle is an energy alignment coach. Throughout his 15 plus years in corporate sales environments, Kyle learned how to expand his mindset, calibrate his energy, and adapt his belief systems to consistently exceed his targets and goals. Now in his second year, second career as an energy alignment coach, he is following his passion by helping others to unlock their highest potential through training their mind, releasing subconscious blocks, and learning how to harness the power of their own energy to create their success. Doesn't that just sound amazing? I love how he's been able to move from that corporate space now into this energy space, but be working with so many people in business and corporate and just in every area of life to help them tap into who they really are, to tap into their potential, to tap into them being their best by tapping into the subconscious mind, by recalibrating and reusing energy in a way that's powerful, supportive, and creates each person's individual success. I really, really love this episode and I really hope that you love it too. So let's dive on in. Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Lead With Less. I've got my husband, Kyle Haskins, for today's episode. How are you doing? Good, thank you. How are you? Good. A little bit nervous, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) A little bit nervous um, for this episode, but it's been a long time coming. We've been talking about it a lot, and I know we talk about all of these things all the time, and... Yeah, I just, I love all the work that you do. I talk about you all the time with all of my clients and everything that you talk about informs all of my coaching, everything that I work in my programs on. And so I thought, why not have a whole episode talking about your magic, talking about everything about you that makes you great. Uh, But the little twist here for today's episode is this is actually mostly focused on Kyle's previous career. This is Kyle's career in the corporate world. He was in corporate sales. He's going to talk a little bit more about his journey there, but I wanted this to focus on how he built his success in that space. And we will do another episode on his whole career pivot, his whole career transition and everything that went into that. But I really wanted to focus on how he managed to create so much success for himself in an environment where it can feel really challenging. It can feel really hard, especially in the sales space. So before I go on Tash Tangents galore, can you just share your journey with us? So you're in your second major career, if I were to label that. Can you take us back to that first career in corporate sales? Can you share that journey, how it started? And yeah, some of those big shifts that led you to client director. Yeah, amazing. Thank you. So good to be here. Uh, oh. But it's quite a quite a thing to think back to this, you know, like it was it feels like it was a lifetime ago. 
but essentially I started my first career in sales straight out of high school. So I finished high school and my dad managed to line me up with a job with someone that he knew. And I went into a career in, in selling telecom line replacements. So this is quite interesting. It's pretty different from how it is here in New Zealand. So I grew up in South Africa and in South Africa, most of the companies that run you know, the electricity and telephone lines, it's monopolized. So there's really just one company. And I got into a company that was essentially replacing telephone lines, physical lines with wireless lines, because the cables were always getting stolen. So people would like have no ability to do business because their business lines and the internet lines were being stolen. And so they needed these backup solutions. So I got into, into that as my first career straight out of school. And yeah, it was really, really challenging because obviously all I had ever known was school. And then going into this environment where now I was talking to these massive corporates in South Africa, you know, some of the, the biggest companies there about their solution to get rid of normal telephone lines or at least have a backup for that. So that was where I started. And I think through that journey, I, I mean, if I look back at it, I had a lot of challenges really early on, which I do think informed the way that everything went for me in the future. And the biggest challenge actually was right there in my first job. So I was selling the solution and I was told by the person who hired me, the managing director of the company that I worked for, that we had a license to do this, that we were granted this license to provide the solution. And one day while going through the documentation on the license to find some information for, for a client who wanted the information, I stumbled across the actual license and found out that what I had been told wasn't true and that we didn't in fact have a license to do what I was told we were allowed to do. And so actually what I was doing was essentially illegal, which was a massive blow for me. And at that moment, I basically resigned from that job. So once I found out, I confronted the owner of the business and I resigned. And the big reason I did that is because reflecting back on this, uh, thinking about this before this podcast, it was all about my brand. I only see that now because now I understand about my own personal brand. But at that time, I had this blinding realization where I was like, I'm standing in front of the biggest CEOs, CFOs, IT managers of some of the biggest companies in South Africa. And I'm telling them about this amazing solution that I'm selling. Little did I know that I was lying to them. Little did I know that I didn't have the rights to sell them what I was selling them. And that was when I really started learning about my personal brand. You know, it, it wasn't so much like, obviously I didn't want to be doing anything illegal, but it was like, I was, I was damaging my own brand because mm -hmm. they would associate me with that problem. And so I resigned from that job. And then, yeah, I, I moved into a couple of different careers after that. And I had a lot of challenges really early on, you know, my, ne my next job, I actually worked for my brother and he left the company that he was running to go back to work in the corporate world and said to me, run the company. It's great. You can make all this money. And I did that. And well, I got sold a lemon and I was faced <laughs> with a lot of challenges, lots of debt, having to recover lots of things. So I learned some really, really hard lessons really early on. And all of that I think has gotten me to where I am today. Mm. I actually just want to ask a question. You, you know, you say you left because you, realize that it was going to tarnish your personal brand and that you were lying, you know, and that would reflect badly on you. But what if they had never found out? Like, obviously there wasn't a finding of out because you were doing it and no mm -hmm. one was questioning it. So I guess, did that go through your mind? Like, does it really matter? Like, it doesn't seem like anyone really knows how big was that pull? You know, cause I, I know that a lot of people face this, right. Where there is, a disconnect, you know, between what they do, who they work for, the values, like how, how big was that pull for you that you made that bigger decision when well, no one was really finding out, like, did it really matter? It's just an um, interesting question that I would love to get your thoughts on. Yeah. And that's such a great question because in the context of South Africa, there would be many people who would actually not care about doing something slightly illegal because the, you know, the, the infrastructure that's there doesn't support their ability to make a living. So they'd kind of be like, well, I need to do it anyway. The big thing was that it went against my morals, my values. Mm -hmm. It went against everything that I stood for. So for me, I was like, I 
I cannot personally be in this situation. I can't be doing this because it doesn't agree with me. Mm. Maybe no one would ever find out. Maybe people would find out and they'd be like, oh, who cares? You know, it's fine. We'll just do it anyway because we need to, because we have to, because that's the only option that we have. But personally, it went against everything that I stood for because it was dishonest. It was untrue. And I just didn't want to put my name on that. And at that time, like I said, I didn't know that this was my personal brand, mm. but I, I vehemently disagreed with it. Like it made me feel extremely uncomfortable. And so mm. I wasn't willing to keep putting myself in that position again and again. And yeah, such a great question you ask is looking back, I was like, it didn't matter that I was going to resign from this job and I didn't have another job to go to. I was like, I'll figure it out, but I will not put myself in this position where I'm doing something that goes against everything that I stand for. Yeah, and by no means am I saying if anyone is doing something illegal, definitely don't be doing it. But I guess there's so there's there's such a big spectrum of that, where it's like a little bit of disconnect to a lot of disconnect, right? And I'm gonna be going all over the place with this episode now because of where we're where we started from. But how does that you know, thinking about mindset, that's a big part of what we're talking about today and how your mindset impacts your ability to tap into your peak performance, to be able to tap into success. How do you believe that that incongruence or that disconnect impacts your ability to tap into your performance, like to tap your mindset into showing up, you know, or being able to tap into your full potential? Like how how do you believe that that disconnect impacts that ability? I guess it depends on the level of disconnect. Like you say, there are some situations where we'll, we'll be in an environment where there is a disconnect with our values, but it might not personally be impacting us. You know, it might not be something that we have to personally represent, where in this case, I was having to do that. I was having to sell something. I was the front of that. I was talking to customers about it. I was selling the solution. I was basically saying, this is going to solve all of your problems. So, I was personally involved with the thing that I was so disconnected with, which is why I decided I couldn't. But if, you know, there's a lesser level of disconnect, then the impact might be none at all or not anything that's noticeable. But from a mindset perspective, it has an incredible impact because if your energy is off, then everything is impacted. Mm-hmm. You know, if I go into that state and I feel incongruent with what I'm doing, I'm going to show up differently. People are going to notice my energy is different. They're not going to want to buy from me because I don't believe in it. And so if my belief isn't be behind the thing that I'm selling, behind the solution that I'm giving or, you know, what I'm talking to people about, they'll sense it. Mm. No matter how convincing I might be able to be in my words, whether we realize it or not, we pick up on people's energy. And so I knew that there was no way that I could do that and be successful because I didn't believe in it. So I would find reasons to sabotage it, I'd imagine. Mm. I I didn't get to that point. But your mindset and your belief and actually your energy of how you feel about the thing that you're doing, how you feel about the in sales, as an example, how you feel about the solution that you're selling, that's so important because people see that, they feel it, they pick up on it. So if I didn't believe in any of those things... I would never have had the ability to be successful or to sell them because my energy wouldn't have been behind it. I would have been coming from a place of fear or a place of doubt or a place of worry as I engaged in all of those conversations. And people would have known that either consciously or subconsciously. Mm, Yeah, I love that. Yeah, and it's just a signal, right? Like, how are you feeling when you're going about doing what you're doing? Like, what is the... What is the consistent energy that you're feeling in your body, the consistent kind of pattern of thinking that's happening as you're going about your day-to-day, something really good to kind of check in with. So one of the things that always really inspired me about you was you didn't go to university. Mm. Now, we live in a time where I think there's still a lot of importance put on having the degree. You know, it's it's a big differentiator, you know, especially like in my career in HR, like the first thing companies look for is, do you have an HR degree? And I personally believe like that doesn't make you a good HR person. But that's one thing that I, that really inspired me about you. You didn't go to university, yet you built this incredibly successful career in the corporate world, you know, from South Africa, moving to New Zealand, you, you know, continue to expand that career. And now you're building a successful business. What do you believe underpinned creating that success without the quote-unquote qualifications 
it really comes down to my belief in my ability to do it. You know, I remember in high school having these conversations with all of my friends and they were talking about, oh, I'm going to go to university. I'm going to study this and I'm going to study that. And I remember saying to them, I'm not going to do any of those things. I'm just going to go and start working because I believe that experience is more important than just the knowledge. Mm. Now, this isn't the case for every career, right? Like I wasn't going into a career like a lawyer or a doctor where that study is really important, you know, and having that degree, you don't want to go to a doctor who's like, I've got 15 years of experience, <laughs> but I never studied, you know. I just kind of wung it and I figured it out. Well, I mean, they might be really good by that point, but, you know, I wasn't going into a career that was so structured around the actual knowledge leading into it. I was going into an environment, the technology environment that was so fast moving. It changed so much so quickly. And I knew at that time that any degree that I went into was three or four years old. Mm. So what they were teaching you, and I saw it even in high school when I did programming, like what they were teaching us in high school for programming, because my brother was in that industry and he was programming, was old. So it's like I could go and study and get all of this old knowledge to get a certificate that says I have all of the old knowledge and spend three or four years doing that and then step into an environment where everything's different. Mm. And it's moving so fast that what I studied is now outdated. It's no longer relevant. And so because of the industry that I was going into, I just looked at it and I went, experience and being in it and doing is far more important than learning a whole bunch of stuff that's either learned, you know, in parrot fashion or just sort of absorbed in from whatever way. The experience was the most important thing. And so at that time, I like said to my friend, I was like, you can go to university and you can go and get your, like I had friends who went to go computer degrees. It's like, you can go get your computer degree, but when you come out of university in four or five years time, you're going to start at the bottom mm. and I'll have five years of experience. And to me, that was more valuable. And as I say, that's not the same for every career, but my belief that experience was more important than the knowledge itself, that the actual application, the doing, being in the environment and learning while I was on the job was more important. And my belief that that was what would get me my success, I think is what did. Mm. If I had a different belief that, you know, the degree was the most important thing than going into an environment where I was learning all the time and gaining experience, maybe I wouldn't have been so successful. So I really do think my belief in my ability to do it and my belief that that was the right pathway for the career that I was going into really led to my success. Was there any work that you needed to do to hone that belief? Yeah, because I guess a lot of people that will be listening to this podcast or even a lot of people that we both actually work with, like you and your energy business, that belief isn't always inherent. Like it's not always just there, right? It's it's something that for many people they need to cultivate or like, well, how do I believe that I have the ability to make that work, even though the norm or the mainstream is to go and get the theory first, you know, like that, that actually gives me the credibility more than me just believing in myself and doing it. Like, was there any work that you needed to do or what would be that work for people to do to actually harness that belief? Cause I, I mean, I'm literally speaking for myself here. You know, I relied on my degree to be my credibility. Mm. You know, I relied on that to be like, well, now I've got an HR degree. So you need to choose me because I've done this thing. But I got into the corporate world and doubt creeped in and I became overwhelmed. And the reality of what it actually meant to be working, you know, kind of overwhelms you. It like just kind of almost suffocates some of that teenage optimism. I, yeah. Like, oh, I can do everything. So yeah, like, was there work that you needed to do to really cultivate that belief in yourself? And what would that work look like for people who, even if they do have the qualifications that they still need to kind of harness and cultivate that belief? This is a good question. I'm going to need to think about this. There was definitely work that I needed to do on that, you know, and I think that belief for me had come through my own experience already leading up to that point where I looked at all of the things that I was learning in school, as an example, and I didn't see anyone around me applying those things to their life. So I think growing up with the way that I was raised in my family, which was very open, my parents allowed me to really 
choose whatever I wanted. So they didn't say, we believe this, you should do this. You know, we're following this path. You should follow this path. They basically said to me, go out there and try things and you decide for yourself what you like and what fits for you. This is what we think and this is how we do things, but you need to experience it for yourself. And I was thinking about this before the call today as well. Like even with my exams, I don't ever really remember being pressured into studying. Like, have you done your studying? Make sure that you're studying. Like I was given that autonomy. If you want to be successful at school, you know that you need to study to be able to pass your exams. So very early on, I was given this belief that I hold the keys to my success. Mm. And that really informed a lot of this moving forward was me trusting that I can be successful in these things because I know that I have the keys that I can choose to apply myself or not to apply myself in any arena. And I'll be able to find some level of success. Or if I don't, I'll be able to learn from that. Because like there were times in school where I didn't study and I, you know, tanked the tests. And then I'd learn from that. I'd be like, okay, so, you know, doing a little bit of cramming for an hour the night before my exam, that's probably not enough because I failed. So I now need to actually do a little bit more. So I learned all of that through that process. I think the thing with this is just being really connected to yourself and not connected to what everyone else thinks and what everyone else says. And I experienced this quite early on in my career where I went into an internal sales role at a new company. So there was a point in time where I ended um, one job and I wanted to go overseas. And I was going to go to London and go sell electricity or something like that. And that didn't work out. So I landed up going back to work for an IT distributor. And at the time, I got given an internal sales role. And what I really wanted was to be an external account manager. I wanted to be out there facing you know, clients and talking with clients and working on their solutions. When I got that internal sales role, they put me through a disk profile. So you know, to look at my personality. And they gave me this personality test. And it came back and said that I'm not an external salesperson. And so the role that I wanted as an external account manager, they said, I can't have that because my disk profile says that, that I'm not suited to working with clients, to being in front of people that I don't have their personality. And I remember just thinking, excuse my language, that's bullshit. Like just because this test says that I can't be good with clients or that I'm not an extrovert doesn't mean that I can't, like, I don't believe it. And so I just set to work accepting the internal role, but knowing that I was going to show that I was capable of becoming external. And I did. So I think right through the belief that has helped me the most, that if anyone is wanting to work on for themselves, like we're going to be faced with challenging circumstances. We're going to find ourselves in uncomfortable situations. We're going to come up against roadblocks. There are going to be times where there are things that we want, that we desire, that we tried for, that we don't get. But the most important thing is being connected to yourself and trying to silence a lot of that external noise about other people's opinions or what other people think or how they view the world, whether that's in a corporate environment or whether that's just like a societal standard that's placed upon us is really reflecting like, does that fit for me? Mm. Because I think we accept a lot of this stuff across our lives, you know, unknowingly throughout our childhood and our upbringing, we get it from our family and our society and our culture. And we just accept those as like, yeah, cool. These beliefs have been handed to me but we don't ever really question it. So yeah. if we can start questioning whether what people are telling us, what people are saying, it might be a valid opinion, but we don't have to accept that that opinion defines us. And that was the thing that really, I think, set me apart from everyone else is if someone would tell me that I couldn't do something, I would look at why they said that. And then I would go, do I want to let their words determine my future or do I want to choose how this works out for myself? And sometimes their opinion could be extremely valid and they would say like, you know, you just, you don't have these skills, you don't have this capability. And I could look at that and then go, okay, there, I don't. Do I want to spend the time to get those skills, to get that capability so I can take this path? Or is that not something that's important to me? Mm. So the connection to myself is one of the biggest things that I think determined my success is I always came back to me like, what do I want? They say this, they say that, you know, they close this door, they open that door, they say I should go this way or I shouldn't go that way. But what do I want? Like what's going to make me happy? And yeah, like it's such a great question. I don't know how 
how often we actually ask ourselves that. You know, we, we kind of like swayed by the currents of life or the directions that we're told that we're meant to go in. I mean, if I look at my life, it's very unconventional in the sense that, you know, if I get, if we get told that we should go to school, we should get a good education, we should get a degree, we should go get a good job, we should get married, have 2.5 kids, buy a house, you know, stay in the job until we're 65. I've done none of that. So I've kind of bucked the current all, all along the way. Mm. But that's not because there's a problem with the current or that that direction is wrong. It's not. You know, for some people, that direction brings incredible happiness and fulfillment. But that just wasn't it for me. So right throughout my process and throughout my life, I just questioned, is this what's right for me? I don't know if that actually answers your question on the belief work, but I think it's coming back to yourself, mm. you know, and actually evaluating, like really getting connected to like, who am I? What do I want? How do I want my life to go? How do I want to feel in this situation? And spending some time reflecting on that and going, well, if I'm not doing that, if I don't feel this way, if it's not going the way that I want, what do I do about it? Mm. Like what's within my capacity to change, to influence and what isn't. And so then just focusing on the things that are like people will have opinions, people will have ideas, people will have really deeply embedded concepts and ways that they think the world should work, which might not fit for us. I, you know, we can't change that. You know, we could try, but it's probably a waste of energy, but we can change stuff for ourselves. And that's the biggest thing I think from belief work is like actually evaluating what is it that I believe? What is it that I think? What is it that's causing me to show up the way that I show, show up, to feel the things that I feel? And are any of those things within my capacity to influence or to change? And if they are, is that actually something that I'd want to do? And if it is, what do I need to do to get there? Like what, what are the steps I need to take to change that? And if I did, what would the outcome be? Yeah, I love all of that. And I mean, it's so fortunate that that happened for you quite early on, you know, like at high school where, you know, because your family, your mum in particular, right, like was so open Reiki master, reflexologist, you know, very spiritual, very, very curious, very open-minded, very experimental, I would even say like, oh, let's just try this and let's just try that, you know, mm. um, whereas like if I look at my experience, like this questioning that you did of like, is this even what I believe? Is this even what I want? Like that didn't happen for me until I was, when did we meet? Like when I was like 27? Seven, yeah. Yeah, like mm. that didn't really happen until I was 26, 27, right? The breakup before I met you, where I also got made redundant and kind of my life imploded and I was like, what is even happening? And they're very simple questions, but they're not easy questions because mm. you are challenging your whole makeup, essentially. And what is even more challenging within that is like so much of our makeup wasn't directed by us. Yeah. So much of our makeup wasn't, we didn't decide to, to be this way or to think this way because of how our brain works when we're younger, we just absorb, right? We create mm -hmm. our beliefs, our assumptions, our perceptions of the world from what we see, what we're told, what other people are doing, the feedback that we're getting. And more often than not, that creates fixed mindset thinking, right? It's like, it's yeah. either this or it's not. I am either this or I'm not. And what everything that you were saying was growth mindset thinking, mm -hmm. you know, it was, I have the ability to change this. I have the ability to decide that that isn't what I believe, that that isn't what I think. And that's what people tend to feel uncomfortable doing or maybe not even feel like they are allowed to do of being able to be like, but I don't believe that. But we, because we put that power externally of like, but that person knows more, they're my parents, they're more life experience, they're more senior, you know, they have the qualifications that automatically that gives the power that they know more. But what you were saying around, you know, they, people say what they believe based on where they are. And more often than not, it's based on their level of fear related to what you are asking or what you are doing. And we can only ever give advice and opinion based on where we are, right? Based on what we would do in that situation, what we would feel comfortable doing. And that comes across as I love you. So I don't want you to get hurt or I don't want you to fail. Yeah. But actually that isn't coming from a place of love because there isn't that willingness to let them experiment. Right. And we're going through this now with Jake growing up of like being okay with him being autonomous and doing things. Me like, no, don't do this. Oh, be careful. You know, yeah. again, like it's, 
it's hard. They're, they're uncomfortable questions, but it does like they are the fundamental questions around building that self-belief because if we do get too ingrained in that fixed mindset thinking, we're far less likely to experiment. We're far less likely to try. And I guess something else that you were saying there as well is we have to have the power to discern the feedback and advice and opinion that we're getting. You know, one thing that I say to my clients a lot is when you talk to your parents and ask them for advice, have they genuinely lived what you are asking them about? Because if they haven't, their opinion isn't very relevant hmm. because they're not they're not able to give it from a lived experience for that particular thing. So again, it's where are we seeking that assurance, that advice, that guidance from, and is is that valid? Is it appropriate? Is it relevant? Is it going to give us the insight that we need to make more empowered self-directed decisions yeah and i mean their advice could absolutely be valid as well like they may have experienced the thing that you're asking about but that doesn't mean that their experience is the same as what you'll experience Mm -hmm. or that the context is necessarily the same because how much has it changed in the last five years let alone the last 30 years right yeah i mean if you like take a simple example if you wanted to take up rowing and you asked one of your parents like how do you row a boat you know like what do you need to do to be good at rowing they could give you some context on that if they were like you know a rower but they might have only rowed on a lake and let's say you want to go row in the ocean you know or they might have only rowed on sunny days and you're going to row on days with incredible side winds like there'll be some parts of the things that they're going to share with you that are going to be beneficial but it's not an absolute because experience is always different. There are always different dynamics to our experience. So it's kind of like being able to discern, even if we are getting advice from other people, like what do I take from this and what do I leave? Mm. You know, what's the contextual difference between their experience and what I'm experiencing? And in our world today where things change and move so rapidly, like if we go to our parents for advice and they base it on when they were in their career, like the world was very different. So it's like there can be some things that we can get from other people, but it's also asking ourselves a question like how much of this actually applies now Mm. or how different is the environment that I'm wanting to apply this to and does it fit for me partially or entirely or not at all? Yeah, I love that. So I'm going to fast forward to your time at Intergen. Mm-hmm. So you've moved to New Zealand, you are working for Intergen, an IT professional services company selling Microsoft software, and you were always the top salesman. Well, I don't know, maybe I'm categorically speaking, but you were... I, I always achieved my my targets and overachieved my targets, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so you always met your targets or went above the 100% achievement. So... And you always had repeat customers, you know, you always had great client feedback with, you know, your customers. How, how did that happen? Like, what would, what would you say were the top three to five things that underpinned your ability to consistently achieve? So not just a one-off like, oh, this quarter, you know, I made my sale, my sales target, you know, but consistently quarter on quarter, year on year enabled you to do that. So I'm going to backtrack slightly. Very early in my career, um, when I was 19, in fact, I was working two jobs. I was working a full-time job, eight to five, and I was bartendering at night. And at that time, I was really struggling to make ends meet. You know, I'd get to the end of the month, I'd have no money in my bank account. And I remember going down to the grocery store and knowing that if I swiped my card under a certain amount, it would go through without checking with the bank if there was any money there. And there wasn't. So like, I knew I could buy food. Sometimes, sometimes it said no, and I had to shamefully be like, oh, I'm going to just go check the ATM. There must be something wrong. But at that time, I started looking at like, why are some people experiencing success with ease? And some people, it just seems to come to them with such ease. And why am I struggling? Like, what is happening that's causing me to struggle? And that was when I really started to look into like beliefs. I started to understand how the beliefs, the thoughts that we think, our perception, the way that we see the world really impacts us and causes like a continuation of our experience. So if I believe that life's hard and that, you know, opportunities don't come my way and this is just the cards I got dealt and I'm, you know, just destined to suffer, that will be my experience. And so as I started reading and looking into that and working on like money mindset, 
I started evaluating all of my beliefs. What are the things that I believe? How am I looking at the world? And I really started to work on having an expansive mindset. So when it came to Intergen and working there, I think the things that helped me with my success was, was an expansive mindset. I was always looking for the, how do I make this possible rather than where are the roadblocks that are going to stop this from happening? I also consistently worked on my mindset where every single day I would be sitting down and I'd visualize my deals closing. I'd visualize my interactions with my clients flowing with ease, um, having really good conversations, building really good relationships. So I spent a lot of time curating my energy through, through journaling and through visualization so that I'd get myself into that energetic state before I got into the actual environment. So if you like, I rehearsed it. Mm. I rehearsed the way that my conversations would go. I rehearsed, you know, how I would interact with my clients. I rehearsed proposals and I really set my energy up for the way that I wanted it to be rather than the default, which is just most of the time will default to fear. Mm. Most of the time will default to doubt, you know, to worry, to, to looking for the problems. Or to focusing on what we don't want to happen. Yeah. yeah. And that that I learned through all of my reading from the time I was 19 until that point, which was, you know, I moved to New Zealand when I was 27. I learned was all the basis of our primal survival mind, like that our mind is designed that way to look out for the threat, to look out for the danger, to look for the negative thing, because it needs to protect us and it needs to ensure our survival. Mm. But there's not many threats in our world today that are anyway going to threaten our life. And so I, I started training my mind really young. Like I started looking at what are the default ways that I think and how do I want to think? So I started building this expansive mindset. The other thing that really led to my success was that I just saw people as people. What? What do you mean? People are people? God, I don't think that's true. Especially not in the corporate world. <laughs> <laughs> that everybody is just a person just like me who has aspirations, who wants their life to be a certain way, who has, you know, who wants a relationship like that. They're just down to earth people and started taking away all of the, the pressure of like hierarchy and CEO and CFO and all of these ideas that these people are like these hard, you know, individuals who just want to cut to the chase and ask you all the hard questions and want to shut you down. Instead, like they're just people that actually just want to live a good life. They just want to, they want to be happy. And at the end of the day, every single person in every single role in every single company will have common things. We all strive for happiness. We all strive for love. We all strive for freedom. We all strive to feel good, to feel content, to feel fulfilled. Like those are all of the reasons why we do the things that we do. And so I stopped seeing people as like these threatening roles, CEOs, CFOs, and I started to actually go, who are they as a person? Mm. Who is this person? And and I started to look at the fact that every single person will be unique. And it was around that time at Intergen that I remember watching Simon Sinek talk about your why. And I started thinking about like, what's my why? And I knew at the time, which later led to my career change. Like I wanted to really help people individually. I wanted to help people live happier, healthier lives. You know, I wanted to help people feel more free and I wanted to help them with the mindset stuff that I was actively applying in my life. So I was then confronted with this question of like, here I am selling software solutions, I'm selling Microsoft CRM and automation platforms and Office 365. And how does that fit my why? But I came back to the people aspect. It's like the people that I'm dealing with, that I'm selling to, that are IT managers or CTOs or CFOs, they're people who have their own morals and values and their own desires. So how does what I'm doing relate to their personal values, to the things that they really want? And so I connected my wire to the solutions of like, well, you know, I remember thinking about one particular customer at that time who was working till seven at night, you know, from five, when everyone else went home, he was there running database backups and SQL scripts and doing all of these things manually. And I was like, this solution that I want to sell him will automate that. That means he gets to go home to his family. Mm. He gets to go spend time with his wife, with his kids. He gets to go to the gym or do whatever he wants, watch his favorite TV show or read a book. Like he gets time back. And so I connected my wife to what I was doing. 
And that made what I was doing feel a whole lot more empowering because I wasn't just selling software solutions. It was like I was helping people get time. I was helping people make an impact. I was helping people streamline their business so that they could take care of their employees. You know, some CFOs really care about the numbers. Other CFOs care about the people. And when I was selling, I would understand the person. What is it that they really care about? So I knew that if I was dealing with a CFO as an example who really cared about the numbers, I would sit down and I would talk about total cost of ownership and return on investment. And I would talk about how this is going to add more money to the bottom line and how this is going to save costs, you know, from an FTE perspective. But then if I had a CFO that really cared about people, I would be talking about how this is going to help the people in their business, you know, feel more empowered as they go through their day-to-day process, feel like they have something that they can relate to or an area that really helps them feel like they belong. And I would, you know, I was telling the truth in those instances, you know, I wasn't selling something that wasn't there, but I would really connect to the person. So I saw people as people, not as metrics in a business or, you know, I basically brought the humanity back to to the interaction. Mm, I love that. And that's something I talk about a lot in, in different instances. You know, one of the things that I work with clients on is like feedback, you know, how to give feedback, how to receive feedback. And one thing that always comes up is like upwards feedback. Like how do I give, how do I give feedback to a senior manager or a CEO or a VP or, you know, whatever title. And I said, how about you just think of who they are? Like, how about if we just remove the title, they are another person doing a job that could potentially learn from what you might share with them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, like this is in what the industrial revolution did, right? Factories, hierarchy. And there was a time and a place for that because it meant it was how decisions were made, how safety was maintained, blah, 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 all that, whatever. But now we live in a transformational knowledge you know, revolution and age where we need to think more broadly than titles and roles and hierarchy. And yeah, when we come back to people, we do, we automatically want to bring the heart and the humanity back. Like, how do I connect with this person? How do I give them what they need that also allows me to get what I need? You know, and how you were saying like some CFOs, I would say that there's an element that they all care about people, but the way that they digest information is different, right? Like there's some people, there's some people who get it through stories to tug on the heartstrings. There are other people who connect with it through data and metrics and graphs, and that's how they tell that story. But again, it's like, how do I understand what people need and how can I show up for that? And I really love that because it's not only the fixation of the result, it's not only the fixation of the outcome, but it is about maintaining the connection and the relationship. And something I I learned from a, a coach, but also that came through when I learned more about your career was think about, opening the relationship, not closing the deal, Mm. you know, because you may not close the deal in that instance, but you've now created this relationship with that person where you might close the deal next year or the year after. So, you know, again, like, and that's the expansive thinking you were talking about, right? It's like, it's not, let's not just be short-term focused of like, let's just crunch the numbers right here. Let's just close the deals right here. But how are we maintaining the overall relationship, the overall the word that I'm like looking for, like the overall experience that I'm having yeah, and who I am and who I'm being and what I'm creating and kind of constantly connecting into that. And I also really love how you talked about your why. And this is also something that I think a lot of people struggle with is they have loves or passions that aren't connected to what they do. And so that can also create that disconnect. If we go back to what we were talking about at the beginning, right, where that disconnect can happen. And that disconnect may not necessarily be because the company that you're working for is fundamentally different to what, you know, you want or they're doing something wrong or that you don't agree with, but it could just be, you know what, I actually just don't want to spend the rest of my life doing this. But right now I need to be here and I need to do this thing. And this, you could maybe talk about your career pivot a bit. But sometimes we need to be somewhere because it serves a purpose. And when we connect to our why and go, you know what, what are some of those crossovers, those similarities, those connections that I could fulfill with what I'm doing here and how I'm showing up here that could give me that sense of energy, that can give me that sense of expansiveness and enjoyment that even though I'm not doing what I necessarily want to be doing, but I can still create success, joy, fulfillment, in what I'm doing right now. 
Yeah. So a couple of things. One, going back to your first point there about like building an expansive relationship, you know, I was never afraid to say, I don't have a solution for that to a customer. I'd happily say to them, look, I get what you're trying to do and I understand your business, but this is not the right solution for you. Go look at these things. Because for me, it wasn't about just making the sale. You're right. It was about building a relationship. And then they'd come back to me for other things. And so that expansive mindset was like that there's enough out there for everybody. Mm. That was one of the things that I really focused on, especially if I lost a deal, like I'd be thinking, you know, that person probably needed this more than me right now. And there will be other deals that will come my way. So I was always looking for the opening for the opportunity. And that's how I built my relationships was wasn't afraid to say no I wasn't afraid to say like I don't have a solution for that I wasn't trying to get something to fit that didn't fit just so I could make the sale it was like what's the long-term thinking here and I knew that they'd come back with the why you know I I think we won't necessarily always be able to attach our why to what we're doing Mm. there will be instances where where you look at what you're doing in your career and you go like I don't have a why that connects to this but you may have a broader why that your career enables. So if your why is to, you know, provide for your family, then simply just connecting, well, actually doing what I'm doing on a day-to-day basis helps me provide for my family. It helps me provide the house that we have or get us to go on holidays or, you know, pay for the things that my kids really want to do. And so just actually having that connection, even if it's not a direct connection, you know, and even if what you're doing on a day-to-day basis it doesn't directly cause that outcome, but there's a correlation, you know, it's like, well, I'm getting the money from that. And so this enables me that can help what you're doing feel so much more empowering, feel so much more important. And you can feel a whole lot more connected to because you're like, oh, I see how this gets me that. Mm. And sometimes our why might even actually just be who, who am I? Like, who do I want to be on a day-to-day basis? You know, I've always wanted to be in the coaching space and working with people's energy. But when I was, in IT, the conversations that I had with people just around the coffee machine, in those moments, I would show up in that way that what I always say to myself is when someone has a conversation with me, I always want them to leave feeling better than when they came in. So if someone came to me and people just always had a tendency to open up to me to tell me what was going on in their life, like around the coffee machine, I would just go, okay, well, I want this person to leave feeling better then they did coming into this. So if they were feeling sad, I want them to feel like a little bit of hope. Or, you know, if they're feeling completely downtrodden, I want them to feel some some optimism or, you know, feel opportunistic. And that had nothing to do with what I was doing, what I was selling, what my day-to-day job was. And it was really just about my why was how I interacted with people around me. How do I want people to feel? And what can I personally do in the way that I show up, provided that that's how I want to show up? that will enable that. And so we can connect our why to lots of little moments rather than the big picture. And that can feel really amazing. Yeah. I love that. It's one of the things that I share. It's called act as if like act Mm -hmm. as if this was already, it's not fake it till you make it. It's act as if you were being the person you want to be act as if you were showing up the way that you want to show up rather than like, Oh, I can't do that until you know, I can't create that experience for people until I'm in a job where energy is the main thing that I do. It's like, you know what? No, like I can, you know, support people to feel that way right now, just through a small conversation. Um, yeah. So like acting as if I really, really love that. So can you share with us to finish up with some practical tools, tips, or strategies? Can you share three, three with us that listeners can start using straight away that will help them shift their mindset or utilize the energy in a way that they can they can tap into their potential or achieve that peak performance yeah absolutely so the first strategy is clarity knowing what you want knowing who you want to be and knowing how you want your life to go i think this is a question that's very underutilized and it's not something that many people ask themselves who do i want to be how do i want my life to be how do i want to show up Knowing that and having clarity of that is so powerful because it immediately starts to inform your decisions. It immediately starts to change the way that you show up. And in the back of your mind, you'll become aware of where am I not being this or what are the things in my life that are not enabling this. But a lot of the time we tend to move through life not having this clarity. And so we'll accept things that are outside of the scope of who we want to be, that are outside of the scope of how we want to feel or how we want our life to flow because we don't have that clarity. 
Mm. This clarity, again, is not absolute. As you move through experience, it might change. You might think you want something right now. You might experience it and then go, oh, hang on, that was a bit different to what I thought. Actually, this is now what I want. So there'll always be adaptation, but it's important to keep coming back to this. Who am I? What do I want? How do I want my life to be? How do I want to feel? Because that'll inform all of the decisions that will help you get there. And your subconscious mind is so powerful. It's always evaluating all of the information in your environment. But it's lazy. If you don't give it directions, it'll just loaf off on the couch. So saying, I want to be this way. I want to feel this way. I want to experience life this way. This is where I want to go. This is what I want. Your subconscious mind's like, yes, I get something to do now. I'll go find you that information. And so we start to take steps towards that just by having clarity. The next thing is obviously the expansive mindset. You know, when you're in challenging times, it's really easy to get into that contracted mindset of like victim. Why is this happening to me? You know, these bad things always happen to me or this is the end. It's so difficult. We can get into that. But an expansive mindset makes all the difference where you start going, well, what are the things that I can learn from this? What are the things that I can take away from it? Where is the opportunity going to come from this? In sales, often I would not get a deal, but I could either let that derail me and sit in the sorrow of not getting a deal and have that energy impact the way that I showed up every day for days or for weeks, or I could go, okay, that didn't happen. What do I need to learn from that? How do I apply that into the next thing? Where am I next going to get an opportunity to expand based on this experience? Where could the next deal come from? Who are the customers that I could have really good conversations with? Like rather than getting stuck, you know, just looking at how does that, open rather than close Mm. the third one here is i'm actually going to share four with you because i thought about this the the third one here is kind of two things in one so the first one is don't take things personally i often sat in meetings where people would get really upset because things weren't going the way that they were meant to they weren't on track and this is where i applied the second but here is in order to not take things personally i practice curiosity So when someone was yelling at me from the other end of the table, instead of taking it personally and getting into my fight or flight response and getting all fearful and angry or aggressive or defensive, I would start going, I wonder what's going on for them. This can't just be about this project being delayed by two weeks. What's happening at home for them? You know, maybe they've got something going on in their relationship. Maybe they're, you know, facing financial troubles. Maybe they've got heaps of pressure at work that's really impacting this. And that's all rolled into this reaction that they're having. And when I could get really curious about that, I was like, they must have a lot going on because the way that they're reacting doesn't really fit, you know? Mm. It's disproportionate to like this thing. Yeah. And even if it wasn't disproportionate, getting curious about what are the other things that could be impacting the way that they're showing up allowed me to not take it personally. It allowed me to connect to the humanness of them and their life and their experience and to just go, well, this is not actually about me. Mm. and obviously I'd always still set a boundary of, you know, not wanting to be spoken to that way and, and mutual respect, but not taking things personally made a huge impact for me because when a deal didn't go the way that it should, when a project didn't go the way that it should, when someone yelled at me or someone at work showed up and they were in a really shitty mood and they jumped down my throat, like I would just learn to not take things personally so that I could stay calm. Mm. And then I could have the conversations for the boundaries or, you know, the the way that I want the interaction to be from a place of calmness. And the final thing I'd share here, which is massively underutilized, and I think I wish we all got taught how to do this at school, is self-praise. Mm. You know, we, we look to everyone around us for validation, for acceptance, for approval, for telling us that we're doing a great job or that, you know, what we did was wonderful or that our project was amazing. And while those things are all great, if we're not telling that to ourselves and then we don't get it, that's when we get derailed. But if we look at what we do and we go, how do I feel about my effort here? How do I feel about how I've applied myself here? And you go like, yeah, I'm actually really happy with that. Like, I feel like I learned stuff. I feel like I applied myself effectively. I'm happy with the end result. Then even if someone says, I don't like that, we've actually validated for ourselves that that it's enough for us. And even if their opinion is different because they have a different way of looking at things or they have different expectations, we can still feel that internal validation, which 
makes life flow a whole lot easier, but ultimately it gives us power. And it's the confidence piece, right? It's that, it's the self-trust that I'm learning, I'm growing, I'm developing, and I know what I'm doing. And when we do make mistakes, we do get it wrong or we do miss something. Like we have enough of our confidence bank account, which is what I talk about, like Mm -hmm. filled up that if there is a withdrawal because we've made a mistake or we've missed something or, you know, it's like, it's not so out, like our bank account isn't so empty that it now becomes so detrimental. Uh, But it is that personal power because again, if we're only looking externally, it becomes conditional because when we don't get it, that's where we get that low self-esteem where, you know, where we, where that self-doubt, that imposter thinking, all of that comes through. Yeah. Yeah. I really, I really love those. So clarity, expansive mindset, not taking things personally and curiosity. Yeah. Coupled with curiosity and self-praise. Really love that. You actually, when you talked about not taking things personally, the four agreements book came Mm -hmm. and we'll link it in the show notes. That is, I'm actually going to read that again over the summer break. That's such an amazing book to step back into your personal power. And yeah, like just, it'll help you just show up so differently in your life. And I also really love that the the piece behind not taking it personally, it's like 99% of the reactions you get from people have nothing to do with you. Yeah. And they don't even realize they're doing it. Yeah. And then when we make it mean something about us that actually has no meaning about us, and then we lose that inner harmony, that inner calm. We lose that ability to be a human in mm. response because then we go into our primal response, which takes the humanity out because now we just need to fight, freeze, yeah, or we need to run away. Yeah. Yeah. Really love those tips. Thank you. Just quickly on the four agreements as well, you know, going back to my first career, be impeccable with your word. That was the Mm, first thing that I learned, right? Like that's one of the other parts of the four agreements and also so powerful and important. Yeah. And something like even just with those those tips that you shared, like this is something you do in your Aligned Life program as well, right? Like you, you cultivate these foundational things to help create alignment in your life and to bring these things into just who you are day in, day out, you know, over six months. Can you just share a little bit about that? Yeah. So, I mean, my Aligned Life program is basically designed to take everything that I learned across my life and my career and help other people apply that to themselves. So that's, you know, clarity and intention, getting really clear on what you, what you want and how to get there. Um, recalibrating your resistance or looking at where in your life are you resistant to the things that you want and that's either in actions and habits or in your thoughts and so how do you go from that resistance state into an expansive state Um, looking at your environment so what are the things in your environment that don't fit so sometimes you know like let's say we really want to be healthier but we've packed our cupboard full of unhealthy foods well that's something in your environment that doesn't fit um, you know, looking at your aligned action. So again, it's that like visualization in the mindset, getting into the energy of what it is that you want and then taking action rather than taking action from the energy of the problem mm. um, because that dictates very different action. You know, training your mind, again, getting clear on your beliefs and whose beliefs do you actually have? Do they fit for you? What are your beliefs? What's enabling your success and what's, you know, limiting your success? And, um, yeah, just working on your energy on a, on a daily basis of like, how do you want to be, how do you want to show up? So all of those things are incredibly important and applying them to your life can create a huge change. And so that's what that program is all about. It's a a six month program to help people really embed those, those aspects into their life over a longer period of time, because that change internally, it's one, it's uncomfortable. If we've been living a certain way, thinking a certain way, acting a certain way for a long period of time, it's really uncomfortable to change that. So we can't just do it overnight. Mm. And we need some time to really embed in those new processes, those new ways of thinking consistently. You know, like the 2% principle is what I always think about. If I can be 2% better tomorrow or today than I was yesterday, then what is that incremental compounding interest over time? It's huge. But it's so small that it's not uncomfortable today. Mm. If I try to be 50% better today than I was yesterday, that's going to be very uncomfortable. Yeah, love that. Amazing. And we'll link that in the show notes as well so you can find out a bit more about that. So some staple questions I have for guests to end the episode, just three quick fire questions. What is your number one energy filling practice you do consistently? Meditation with time in nature. So that doesn't have to be that I'm sitting down and closing my eyes. It's just that I'm getting out of the space of the things that I normally do 
taking a walk in nature, doing deep breathing and basically just being present, like being mm. in the moment and absorbing what's around me right now rather than being in the past or in the future. Mm, love that. What's one mindset reminder you focus on to boost your confidence? That I have the capability within me to do whatever I want. And when I first had this idea or this belief that I wanted to build at that point, I didn't necessarily have the capability entirely, you know, like I could see areas in my life where I didn't have it and areas in my life where I did, but I chose to look at the places where I did have it, where mm -hmm. I had the capacity, the capability to learn and to change. And basically that I can do whatever I set my mind to if I just apply myself to it and move through that process. And it could be very uncomfortable, but it's like just reminding myself that actually whatever I want, I can achieve and it's all within me, not out there. Mm, love that. And what is one boundary that you uphold that supports you to be your best? Not engaging with things that aren't a match for how I want to feel. Mm. So if people are having conversations that don't fit with the way that I want to feel, um, you know, they're complaining or, you know, the five C's complaining or talking about things that doesn't match how I want to feel. I won't engage in that. I won't watch TV shows that cause me to feel certain ways. So I don't watch horrors. I don't watch a lot of like really gruesome stuff because I don't like the way that it makes me feel. And as cheesy as it sounds like I'll watch rom-coms and I'll watch Disney movies. You are a rom-com. Yeah. You love love. I watch the things that make me feel good. You know, those are things that I'm choosing to engage in. It's not something that I have to engage in because it's part of my life. It's a choice. And so I'm choosing, well, what do I want to feel? And is this thing going to help me feel that? So it's all of those things in my life, like that I'll personally set boundaries with, where I won't engage with things that aren't aligned with how I want to feel. Mm, I love that. I really love that. And I don't, I don't want that to be confused with not being challenged. So, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, but then, you know, you're just not being challenged. Like, that's not what that means. It's, you know, we we can still choose where we are challenged and for that to be constructive. But complaining, criticizing, judging, bad, you know, horrible TV shows, getting consumed in media. So being informed is one thing, being consumed is another. You know, there's a difference between intentionally choosing the things that help us to feel the way that we want to feel and expanding our thinking and critically challenging the way that we're thinking because that comes from an expansive place. It doesn't come from a detracting place, which is what you're talking about, right? Like, and we notice it, like if we've watched a few too many shows that are very heavy or, you know, very like gruesome or very fighty, like we feel that in our house, actually, like we feel it, you know, just, we can feel that the change in how our household feels and, you know, kind of how we, and so there's a lot of, yeah, I mean, obviously not a lot because Jack yeah. doesn't watch TV, but you know, in downtime, there's a lot of rom-coms. Um, yeah. yeah. And and it's, you know, again, I love that how you say that it's the choice. Like, I think so often we go by default, like, oh, but people just complain. So I'll just be, I'll just be there. It's like, actually, no, just because yeah. people complain doesn't mean you have to engage in the complaining. So you yeah. can be a challenger there and go, hey, so what are you going to do about that? Or you can just be like, you know what, I've got to be somewhere else. Or like, I'm yeah. going to go do something else. So again, where are you stepping into your power to choose and be in alignment with how you want to feel, how you want to be, how you want to show up, how you want to think, because you actively get to choose that moment to moment. Yeah. And not choosing is a choice. Absolutely. And with what you're saying, like, you know, this isn't something where you ignore the things that are uncomfortable, right? Like there are going to be times we're going to have to have uncomfortable conversations. I don't look at that and go, oh, I don't want to feel that way. I don't want to feel uncomfortable. That discomfort leads to an outcome, which is the way that I want to feel. So, you know, if I see something in the news and it causes me to feel a certain way, I ask myself, what is that going to do for me? Mm. So if I see something in my local news about homeless people and I think, oh, you know, this is so terrible. There's all of these people that are homeless. What is that doing for me? If I'm not going to take action for that, then there's no point in me engaging in it. If it's just going to cause me to feel down, low and unhappy with the way the world is, it does me no good and it does no good for those people either. But if I look at that and that inspires action, wow, look at all those people. I want to actually start a soup kitchen or I want to go mm. and do something. Or I want to go to just give out some food to the homeless people and just make an impact in their lives. If that low vibration emotion creates a positive outcome or a positive impact, then my engagement with it is worthwhile. Mm. 
But we have this that. tendency to sit in the negative emotion just because we feel like we should, just because we feel but like we feel like it's accomplishing something because we're feeling what they're feeling, right? But feeling something and taking action on something, not the same thing. You yeah. Know? If I can't do something with that feeling, like, and even in my own life, if I'm feeling a low vibration emotion, if I'm feeling sadness or, you know, I'm stuck in a certain emotion, it's like, what am I going to do with that? Is that going to drive change? Is that that emotion going to be transformative and make me, you know, take action a certain way to get to where I want to be? If I'm just sitting in it, then it's of no use to me. Like once I've dealt with it, felt it and processed it, then to continue to sit there is, well, yeah, I don't even really know how to say. It's like, no, it's like insanity, right? You just stay in that same point and then hope that things change. But yeah, so uncomfortable feelings are not something that I would avoid because they could be transformative. But when I choose what I'm going to engage with, I'm not going to choose something that is going to cause me to feel a certain way mm. when that's not how I want to feel. Yeah, I really love that. I mean, we could go on a whole different kind of tangent with that. But, yeah. you know, in the emotional culture deck that I use, uncomfortable is actually a desired and an undesired emotion because uncomfort, uh, uncomfortableness or discomfort is something that we as humans also need to seek it's part of how yeah. we grow it's part of how we adapt how we change is we need to have that discomfort because otherwise we become stagnant right yeah. we don't we don't change so i love that okay we could go on so many more chats <laughs> and we will bring you back for more for more kyle wisdom so thank you so much it was so amazing to get your insights i know that it was quite the the journey for you to think back to yeah it's been a while to that experience but you know you shared so much goodness it was really powerful and i know that listeners are going to take a lot away from this so thank you so much where is the best place for people to find out more about you to connect with you uh, for us to also put that into the show notes as well yes i mean i'm on social media at heal.connect.thrive on instagram i'm available under my name kyle haskins on linkedin or people can just go to my website which is www.healconnectthrive.com perfect amazing thank you so much everyone thank you for listening thank you so much kyle and we would love to know what you thought about the episode so please get in touch please let us know what you thought and if there's anything else you would love me to dive into more with kyle then let me know as well i'd love to bring him back thank you Thank you for listening to this episode of Lead With Less, the podcast for confident professionals with me, Tash Peterser. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and take a moment to leave a review on iTunes. As a thank you, each month, one lucky reviewer will get a 45-minute one-to-one coaching session with me where you will get the tools and strategies to lead with less burnout, overwhelm, and self-doubt. And if you know anyone who could benefit from listening to the show, then please do share this with them and help me reach as many confident professionals as possible.